Well, hello everyone and welcome to our Wednesday evening Bible study. We are wrapping up the video presentation of the Wednesday night Bible study with a, an examination, a reflection on the beautiful and powerful Psalm number 18. We will spend this week and two more weeks, we were in Psalm 18 last week as well, we will spend four weeks in this psalm and then we will be done. Uh, praise be to God, the pandemic that we've been a part of for far too long seems to be waning and return to some sense of normalcy uh, seems to be happening. We all know that there can be setbacks and we don't anticipate them. And we don't want to dwell on those. We also know, at least I hope we know, that there is a cultural slash governmental narrative that will be played out before our eyes and ears for some time to come that will have as its outcome, if not its intention, uh, to keep us paralyzed by fear. And yet for the people of God, we do not walk in fear. We walk by faith. For the people of God, we can't continue to live in isolation and in insulation from one another. For the people of God, we do not depend on media like this one, as grateful as we are for it, for what we need in order to function effectively and faithfully as the people of God. We know biblically that in order to be the people of God and function as the people of God, we must gather before the throne of God with the angels and saints of heaven in the assembly of the local church, side by side, lifting our voices in praise, joining our hearts together in prayer, gathering under the authority of the Bible to read and to preach and to teach the Word of God. This is the essence of who the church is that enables us to do what the church does in gospel proclamation in our community and then to the ends of the earth. The two are inextricably connected. We come together for worship so that we can part to witness. So it's been good to have this time when we can, because of the governmental restrictions, the state restrictions, the local restrictions, it's been good uh, when we have been concerned about our own conditions and the conditions of our family and friends to have this way on Wednesday night or whenever you watch this video to come together. But we know the time is uh, such that we can we can gather on Wednesday night in the Fellowship Hall of First Baptist Church Waynesboro if you are here in town, and uh, we can pray together and we can study together. So this is the last time I will address that. I am grateful for what we've been able to do, and but I'm looking forward to uh, seeing people face-to-face -face and, and more people face-to-face on our Wednesday night gathering as we open and study God's Word. Father, we thank you for this night, and we thank you for this time together and the privilege we've had to be together over these weeks and months. 
It is uh, wonderful to be able to turn to Psalm 18 and to spend our final four weeks together looking at this psalm, reflecting on it, listening to it, learning from it, rejoicing in it. So we pray now that you would lead us by your Holy Spirit and take us into your truth that we might be encouraged and exhorted by it, refreshed and renewed by it. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, David is in trouble. He's in serious trouble. And in the midst of his trouble, he lifts up his voice to God and he not only prays, but he sings. This is a song of prayer and praise to God. And we learned last week that he opens this song of praise, this prayer that he's praying with the exalting of the name of God and exalting, S-E-X-U-L-T-I-N-G, exalting in God. He remembers who God is and he rejoices in God and he tells God from the start, I love you. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. And then we come to verse 4. We will be in verses 4 through 25, and what I want to do is to read them, read through them, and as I read through them to make comments upon them. Let's see what is going on with David here. He begins with his condition. And his condition is grave. The cords of death encompassed me, verse 4. At the beginning of verse 5, as a frame for what he is saying, he writes the cords of Sheol, or the grave, entangled me. The snares of death confronted me. So he's in trouble. He's facing death. He's facing darkness. He's facing the depths of despair. Uh, just look at the nouns that are here. Death. Torrents. Sheol. Death again. Look at the verbs here, encompassed, assailed, entangled, confronted. And then look at the first person singular objective pronoun, me, repeated three times. This is David's condition. His circumstances are, they're worse than bad. He, he's facing something that he cannot overcome. He's facing something that threatens to overcome him. There's no comfort here. 
There's no encouragement here. There's nothing in what David is saying here that is light. Now, there's nothing here that makes one smile. This is a sentence that is filled with sorrow. And yet, this is the state of my life. It's the state of your life as well. Paul says we're always facing death. Death is always in front of us. You know, I read some time ago that uh, one of the major shifts in the American conscience, uh, particularly the American conscience of children and young people, happened, and it happened significantly when the core of American life moved from the country to the city. And there are a lot of things that happen when the core of American life moved from the country to the city. Uh, for example, many of you who were raised in the country on a farm, you were, you were raised with the reality that uh, there's a rotation of the seasons. Now, there's a time for sowing. There's a time for reaping. Uh, you were raised knowing that you didn't put seeds in the ground and see them come up the next day. And you surely didn't put seeds in the ground as you planted your annual garden and then just walk away and act as if the seeds would somehow grow without water. You expected the rains. You felt that the rains would come, but when they didn't, you knew that However you got it there, you had to get water to those plants, those cucumber plants, those tomato plants, those, those corn seeds that you had put in the ground. All of that needed attention. And it needed attention from you even when you couldn't see the evidence. You were waiting. You learned that living on a farm. You learned something about patience. You learned something about the outcome that would come when the harvest came and you saw the fruits of your labor. But there's another thing that was lost when we moved from the culture of the country, the farm, to the culture of the city. If you grew up on a farm, you were, you were faced with death. The animals that you raised on the farm they would die. Calving season among the cows was not always a thing of beauty and delight. There were calves that died stillborn. You raised all kinds of animals, the chickens and the rabbits and other kinds of things on the farm. And, and there was this, this presence always of death. You you got used to the reality that there is a finality, that there is death. This article that I read said that when people move to the city, even when they see death, they see it artificial. Someone laid out in a casket that looks asleep. Rather than knowing something of the reality of 
death being a part of the warp and woof and of life, but it is, isn't it? We're all facing death. And David here, in the midst of facing death, is asserting his circumstance. In my distress, verse 6, I called upon the Lord, to my God I cried for help. And from his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached my ears. David knows what to do in his distress. He knows where to begin his song. He's lifting up his hands and he's raising his voice and he's praising God. This is the foundation of his song and his prayer, verses one through three. But then he turns to his circumstance, his condition. And in his condition, he knows where to turn. He turns to God and he lifts up his voice to God and he cries out to God in his distress. And God heard his cry. Now, the next section of this psalm moves very rapidly. It is intended that way. If you were to read it in a melodic form, it would sound almost staccatic as this staccato, like a boom, 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 a bass drum just beating out the meter for what is about to follow. But you and I need, as we read it and reflect on it, we need to know what is going on here. David's enemies are pursuing him. And they are pursuing him to put him to death. The angel of death is after him, chasing him. Death is in the world. Death is the smell that's swelling all around David's life. He feels it. He senses it. He knows it cries out to God. God hears his cry. We know what it's like to face foes, don't we? We know what it's like to face the awful enemy of aging. We know what it's like to fight the unending foe of memory loss. We know what it's like to face and fight the battle against the loss of friends and families to cancer. We know what it's like to see the vigor of life begin to drain from us. 
energy we once had no longer there. We know what it's like to face the fact that we will never be where we used to be and we will never be who we used to be, that life is moving forward toward that final earthly fate. Death is coming. And when we sense that and feel that and we cry out to God, God responds and listen to this. Verse 7. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The fountains also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he, that is God, was angry. Enemies assaulting his child. Death coming after his own. He was angry. Smoke went up from his nostrils and devouring fire from his mouth. Glowing coals flamed forth from him. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He rode on a cherub and flew. He came swiftly on the wings of the wind. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him. Thick clouds dark with water. Out of the brightness before him, hailstones and coals of fire broke through his clouds. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the Most High uttered his voice, hailstones and coals of fire, and sent out his arrows and scattered them. He flashed forth lightnings and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen, and the fountains of the world were laid bare at your rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of your nostrils. Here God is seeing his child in the midst of the snares of death, the cords of death entangling him, the enemy raising up against him, and God in his anger comes like a torrent of wind, like thunder and lightning and hail, and rushes into this situation. I'm reminded of John 11 when Jesus showed up at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus had been in the tomb for four days and Jesus was taken to where the stone had been rolled across the door of the grave. And there Jesus saw the mourners, he heard the mourners, he heard the wailing and the weeping. And Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? Surprised? No. This was no surprise to him. A new thing for him? No. The wages of sin is death. Sin in the world causes death. All will face death. Jesus, fully human, sees in that moment what really is the wage of sin. 
and he sees what death can do, not only to his friend Lazarus, but what it does to all the family and all the friends, all the weeping and wailing. We see this in Psalm 18. God's anger aroused at the situation that David is in, and he comes, he comes with vengeance. In verse 16, he sent from on high. Now listen to the verbs here. The verbs are active verbs, forceful verbs. He sent from on high. He took me. He took me. He drew me out of many waters. He rescued me. Verse 17 at the beginning, he rescued me. Now go down to the end of verse 19 where you see again, he rescued me. That's a frame. That's a bookend. What is between the bookend is important. He rescued me from my strong enemy and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Even in the throes of darkness and despair and depression and defeat and disaster, even in the throes of all of that, underneath are the everlasting arms and the sure foundation that God gives to all who are his. He rescued me from my strong enemy. Verse 19, he brought me into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. He rescued me from the forces that bring darkness and death. He rescued me because he delighted in me. You, child of God, are rescued by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. You're rescued from every enemy that could ever stand against you. You are rescued from whatever force would be set against you. You're rescued and brought into the family of faith as a child of the living God. You're rescued as one in whom God delights. So David as a child of God. This is not haughty. What we're about to read, beginning in verse 20, is not haughty. It is truth. He's writing as a child of God. The Lord dealt with me, verse 20, according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. All his rules were before me and his statutes I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him and I kept myself from my guilt. So the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands in his sight. It is an amazing thing to me in many ways that this section of the psalm begins with David asserting his condition, facing darkness and death. And it ends with David celebrating who he is because of the goodness of God. 
How does he get from here to here? <laughs> How do you get from being a, a kind of person who's groveling in all of your despair and darkness to rejoicing that you're a child of God and seeking to serve him? How do you make that move? You don't. You do what David did. You cry out to God, God, I'm in a bad place. This is not good. I, I need you and I ask you to come to me. And, and he does. comes like a thunderbolt. He comes like a lightning strike. He comes like a hailstorm. He comes like a mighty rushing wind. He comes in the person and power of his Holy Spirit into your life. And he rescues you. He takes you where you are and toward where you ought to be. Out of the darkness of despair into the light of day. Out of the reality of defeat into the joy of victory. So if you're in a place like that today, don't try to fix it. Don't try to make it better. Cry out to God. I cried out to God and he heard my plea. That's what David says. And if he heard David, he will hear you and he will hear me. And Father, we are grateful for you being who you are to your children. for you coming to the rescue of your children, for you hearing our cry when we cry out to you and coming to us to give us, to provide for us, to minister to us what only you can because only you know our deepest needs and only you know what we most need. So God, right now, as we move transitionally from Bible study to prayer, may we in these moments of prayers, wherever we, in this moment of prayer, wherever we are, whether we're with a group of people or all alone, would we, in these moments, God, help us just to cry out to you, God, this is what I need. God, this is what I need. Would you come to me in my moment of need and would you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory, through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And to that end we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, again, thanks for being here tonight or today, whenever you're watching, and I will join you again next week. Have a great remainder of the week and a great weekend. So long.